I was building a dream, and so I followed the mob. When there was earth to plow, or guns to bear, I was always there, right on the job. They used to tell me I was building a dream, with peace and glory ahead. Why should I be standing in line, just waiting for bread? Once I built a railroad, I made it run, made it race against time. Once I built a railroad, now it's done. Welcome once again, Poets of the East, episode number eight. We have brought to you another group of amazing voices, poets of depth, poets of subtlety, of eloquence, but I'm going to leave the real praise to my good brother, Misha Danduta, my co-host, Misha, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about these fine poets we have today, Natalie and Andre and Vladimir, please. Thank you very much. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, Rick. Thank you very much for inviting me also to this edition of Poets of the East, uh, one of the most uh, sensible and uh, in the same time professional and specialized, I dare say, serials about poetry I uh, met during the, during the last years. Uh, it is, please, Rick, allow me to take the opportunity to thank you again for, for your courage of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, accepting this initiative and of continuing in it, uh, of presenting poets actually formally in the United States, but as it is an internet radio, practically you are presenting those poets and are promoting them for the whole world. As we were saying that a couple of times that the East, in our case, the poetical East, is actually the whole world, which should be the home of each poet. Also, Poets of the East, it is a program which addresses the whole world, and about poets from the whole world. I am happy and honored to be able to participate to this project and to uh, and uh, also for the opportunity of telling a couple of words of each of our amazing guests. Uh, what unites them, their common future is uh, today, is that uh, they are in the same time translators and poets. 
As one of them uh, is going to say, and I don't want to betray his name, I want this surprise to still to remain until the moment where you are going to hear this affirmation. As one of them was, is going to say today, um, actually, in the moment we are translating a poetry, we are writing, we are translating a poem, we are writing a new one in the language into which we are translating it. And by reverse, when we write a new poem, it is also a way of translation work because we translate something we have at the level of images, of ideas in our brain, in our minds, in our souls, into the language of words, uh, sentences, and metaphors. Each of the poets we invited here, Natalia Nera from the Czech Republic, Dusha Andrei from Romania, and Vladimir Markinovsky from Northern Macedonia, has this uh, incredible talent and uh, uh, a knowledge of translate also of translating poems, not only of writing them. Andrei Dosha excellently translates from Hungarian into Romanian and also from English into Romanian. Natalia Nera, a very fine and sensible and talented Czech poet, she translates. Uh, she's also an exquisite translator from English into Czech and from Czech into English. Whilst Vladimir Martinovsky from Northern Macedonia is, is also an excellent translator from English and uh, from a couple of South Slavic languages into Macedonian. I have to, str I have to stress that um, South Slavic languages it is represent an universe uh, during which, uh, um, within which it is very hard, it is very difficult to uh, to move and to uh, and to work. Therefore, I admire very much Vladimir for being able to translate among between those languages, which are on one hand uh, very much alike and in the same time. Uh, content a lot, a lot, a lot of differences, and only a very talented and a very erudite uh, person is able to make good translations among um, among them. Um, concerning her, Natalia Nera, uh, which is actually not only a poet but also a very talented prosaist, she is uh, writing very sensible and very original uh, short stories. Uh, Natalia Nera, who lived a lot of uh, years in uh, the Great Britain, um, is actually uh, um, is actually uh, um, talking those two languages, English and Czech, uh, equally perfectly, and she's able to translate uh, bilaterally. Uh, actually, together with two friends from the United Kingdom. She's also the editor-in-chief of a very appreciated uh, literary uh, magazine called Fragmented Voices, uh, an English magazine, an English language magazine based in uh, the Czech Republic and uh, in the UK. Uh, about Andrei Dusha, uh, I would like to mention also that uh, 
Uh, he's a very interesting phenomenon. Um, actually, a very talented poet, which is able to write in two languages, in Romanian and in Hungarian. Um, but for now, he's writing mainly in Romanian, even if he masters actually both of those languages uh, perfectly. And in the same time, he's considered one of our uh, one of the uh, most talented uh, and uh, um, and most uh, most famous Romanian uh, Romanian poets uh, in the world. So once again, we prepared together with Rick. Um, I, we think an interesting edition with uh, very uh, talented and uh, uh, and erudite poets, which have a lot to say not only through their poems but also through their through the poems they translate from a language into another one, and also uh, according to their uh, experience as translators or even as uh, as cultural uh, journalists. So once again, thank you very much, Rick. Let the poetry have the floor. Let the poetry begin. Wonderful idea, my brother. Here we go with part one. Um, could I trouble you while we're, we're waiting for our quorum to come together? Can I ask you, Natalie, to tell me a little something about yourself? Oh, oh hello. The missing, you know, the three musketeers here, right? Oh, <laughs> um, is Andre here? Yeah, I think I can hear him. Uh, oh, yeah. So, Hello. 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 You asked ask me a question. So, what can I say about uh, about myself? I spent just 20 years living in other countries and uh, more than 15 years in the UK. Uh, my husband is Scottish, so I've got an international family. Um, uh, what else do you want to know about me? I don't know what what the Mircha told you. Uh, well, I would say, when did you start writing? Did you write, start writing very young? Did you start writing in college? Uh... All right. When I was 10. When I was 10, I started writing consciously. Uh, and uh, before I was 11, a few of my poems got published. So I started very young, uh, but I'm a slow burner, right? I don't have some sort of massive success. I've got... Uh, various little things that go right and various little things that don't go so right and then for a variety of reasons uh, I had interruptions in my career if you like you know in my writing uh, but that's fine because I think for writing you need life experience and that's all great right so uh, well, thank so, you so much. So, my pleasure. <laughs> Vladimir, may I trouble you, sir? When did you start writing? Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm writing mostly poetry, but also sh uh, short stories, essays, um, critics. Um, I'm also into <clears throat> a literary translation. And I'm translating mostly from French, English, and um, South Slavic languages. Uh, I also work with music. Um, 
I used to be a member of different bands playing different instruments. And I started uh, writing uh, while I was um, a high school student. Uh, actually, those poems uh, were never uh, published. Uh, I published my first uh, poetry books 20 years ago. So far, I have published about 10 uh, poetry collections. Uh, my poetry is also translated into about 20 different languages. And uh, what can I say? More, more or less, that's, that's what I would say. Thank you, sir. A, Thank yes. you very much. And I also teach. I also teach comparative literature at the University Sensorial and Methodius in Skopje. Ah, mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Andre, could you tell me a little bit about yourself, sir? When when did you start writing? What what are some of the things that occupy your time? Yeah. Well, first first thing first. Hello to everybody and nice to see you all. Uh, I started writing when I was around. 20 years old, mm -hmm. started writing haikus, uh, because I read this book of uh, J.D. Salinger, Seymour's mm -hmm. presentation, and I liked very much the character, Seymour, and he fascinated me so much that I started writing haikus. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I started writing uh, more serious poetry when I was like, 22 years old. Uh, I went to a creative writing uh, course, and uh, from there, uh, and in, in the beginning, I, I uh, was writing in uh, Hungarian, but in my hometown, which is Brasov, where uh, like 10% of the population is Hungarian, there was no uh, uh, literary gathering. Uh, mm -hmm. in my native language, so I started to write in Romanian after I, I went to these courses. And then I went to, in 2009, 2010, I went to this master class in my hometown of creative writing, which took me two years. Uh, and it was a very good uh, master because uh, uh, there were many great teachers and uh, great poets and uh, uh, writers that who uh, taught us a lot of things. Uh, then I started also to translate. Uh, I translated from Hungarian quite a few books, uh, uh, classical literature and also contemporary uh, poets and writers, also from English. I translate. I translated a few novels, but mostly bestsellers and uh, not so great novels. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just listening to uh, Vladimir and Andre, and I'm thinking I'm not very good at selling myself, am I? <laughs> well, I'm sure your poetry will do that and then some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Misha, tell us a little something about yourself too, sir. I, I want to get you on the record a little bit if we can to talk about how, how you got started writing. Well, um, first of all, I would like to thank everybody who is here and uh, to thank them also for their patience with uh, the technical problems that 
unfortunately repeat each week, even if uh, one says that, uh, or some say, we should learn from our mistakes. <laughs> and uh, every week, each week actually, from my own mistakes, I only learn other mistakes. <laughs> and uh, so thank you very much for being patient and continuing this series in spite of uh, in spite of appealing maybe 20 times in order to manage to uh, to to reach a common call uh, as we managed until until the end as a second mention i would like to uh, to add, add to note that uh, we agreed with Rick that today's session would be dedicated to um, writers which are in the same time translators. That means the destiny of each of us here present, including including Greek, um, is divided between one's own creation and uh, the recreation of the literary work and the most sensible and the, sen the most sensitive and delicate of it, which is the poetry as uh, a translator. And if time allows it, after reading each of us or before this, as Rick decides, I would like very much to address also this question to each of you, in which manner your activity, destiny and life and existence is divided between your own creation and the creation of the ones you, are, you translate into the language into the uh, language uh, you are used to uh, to translate and now sorry for this long introduction but uh, i think it was important to uh, to make somehow the connection with uh, today's uh, today's episode um well my my story i think it's the most boring one uh, because um actually i started writing each, each of you started writing as very young. I was, uh, I guess, the youngest when I started writing because I was 43. And uh, I had already studied in uh, the Czech Republic, the third uh, university and uh, my PhD studies. And uh, it was the Czech language, the Czech culture and the universal poetry studied through the Czech language, through Czech translations that determined me, convinced me starting to write poetry in Czech um, and uh, especially as a kind of hold, as a kind of homage to this language, which for me was uh, an educational one and uh, one that opened for me the gates of the, uh, of the universal culture. I'm writing mainly uh, poetry and uh, short stories. I work very much with uh, games of words, with uh, uh, connotations and denotations. I have published until now uh, three poetry collections, uh, two of them in Czech, one of them bilingual. Um, and um, I translated also a lot of authors from Czech and Slovak into Romanian, also from Romanian into Czech, and in a uh, in a certain measure also from Polish and Bulgarian into uh, into uh, Romanian. Besides this, I still have some other books of uh, 
some other um, uh, within uh, scientific specializations of uh, film science and literary critics. Sorry, it was too long. No consequence. Thank you, brother. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Misha, would you like to start us off, or would you like me to bear the burden of selecting which of these wonderful voices to launch? <laughs> oh, uh, so we didn't start yet. Sorry, yeah. you haven't. We, you have. Oh, I, I thought it was already the, the the recording. Sorry. Oh, we are. So believe me, we are. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so, um, good afternoon, or actually, yes, I think in America it's good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon in uh, America. Good after, good evening in Europe. Um, thank you very much for being here, or our guest. Thank you very much, Eric, for uh, uh, for getting for gathering us together for recording a new epi- episode uh, within the series Poets of the East. We actually discussed with Rich with Rick a couple of times this syntagma that actually East is not the mystical Orient or Eastern Europe or Eastern part of the world. It is just that East towards which is always a more Eastern point. Everywhere we are on the earth, there is something East of us. So actually, the East we are going through, it is the way, it is the country of poetry, as Rick put it so beautifully in a previous episode, it is actually the whole world which should be the country of uh, of each poet. Today's thematic is uh, quite peculiar because um, poetry is uh, quite difficult to translate, but in the same time, translating poetry is uh, quite a challenge. Um, so therefore, we uh, decided with uh, Rick, we, uh, we had this idea of gathering people which are in the same time poets and translators, uh, authors uh, whose existence, whose uh, work is divided between their own creation and between the activity of translating the creation of other other authors. Please allow me to, wor- to warmly and respectfully welcome here uh, Natalia Nera from the Czech Republic, um, Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Martinovsky, from North Macedonia and Andrei Dosha from Romania. Each of them uh, great poets in their own East, as we say, as we are all poets of the East, each of us, we have our own East around us where we feel the best as poets and in the same time, translator, excellent translators, each of them specialized in uh, certain literatures and languages. Please allow me to shortly say some things about each of them and let them, uh, and then kindly ask them to uh, introduce themselves in a, uh, on a larger, on a larger space. Natalie is uh, a poetess, a prosaist. Also, she also writes excellent uh, short stories. In the same time, she is uh, the editor in chief of uh, an excellent review called Fragmented Voices, based in the Czech Republic and in the Great Britain. Uh, She has an excellent uh, personal and professional and literary experience 
uh, both in the Czech Republic and the Great Britain. She writes in Czech and in English. She translates from Czech into English, from English into Czech. Please correct me, Natalia, if I'm not, if I'm, uh, if I'm wrong. Uh, <coughs> sorry. It was exhaustive. It was absolutely correct. Thank you, Mircea. It was really nice. Um, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we know very much, uh, very, we know very well how, how, uh, how busy you are, how, uh, how many things you have to do. She's also a teacher. Uh, she's also uh, teaching in Prague. She taught also in, um, in Great Britain. Uh, and uh, in the United Kingdom, and uh, uh, you will see she writes and she writes a great, uh, great poetry. Um, Vladimir uh, was I had the honor to meet him three years ago, I guess, in uh, yes. uh, in northern Macedonia. Um, and the first, because uh, besides the fact that he has and he's doing a lot of things, the first thing I found out about him was that at that time he was, and I think he still is, the general secretary or the vice president of uh, the Macedonian pen club, and uh, one of the most active pen clubs in the southeastern part of Europe. He's also an excellent poet, a translator from English, French, and South Slavic uh, languages. Myself, I'm translating from Bulgarian, and I know that it is, there are very fine delicate nuances uh, to be uh, to be uh, to make the differences between those languages therefore i admire very much once being able to translate from more south slavic languages um if i'm not wrong he's teaching also at the university of the university of uh, uh, saint Cyril and uh, Cyril and uh, uh, methodi in uh, uh, in skopje um please correct me if i'm wrong you're teaching uh, comparative literature yes yes <laughs> you're right <laughs> and thank, thank you for you. this lovely introduction <laughs> thank you very much well thank you for being here too welcome once again and um i would like also to warmly welcome here andre dosha i allow myself to call him not only an excellent uh uh, an excellent uh, writer and translator, but also a good friend of mine. Um, he is uh, one of the most uh, one of the most uh, famous, I would say, writers born in Romania. He writes both in Romanian and Hungarian. Um, he translates from Hungarian into Romanian, as far as I know, also from Romanian into Hungarian. And uh, even if he is uh, quite young. He uh, was, he's considered uh, among the best Romanian writers. Uh, two years ago, when Romania was the final, was the main guest at the uh, Czech festival uh, called the Month of uh, Author uh, Readings, and where Romania, plus as each uh, invited country, was represented by 30 or 31 writers, which of course were the best of the best. Andrei Dosha was among them, and I had the pleasure and the honor to be his uh, moderator in Ostrava, uh, when, uh, where he uh, presented his uh, creation, his poetic creation in the theater called Twelve. It's, it's, there is in Ostrava a theater, or actually 
theater theater room called 12, where all the writers within this program were uh, were presented, were uh, were introduced. He's from the Romanian city of Brasov, and uh, uh, and uh, I repeat, uh, one of the most uh, respected personalities of Romanian uh, contemporary literature. Not only he translates a lot from Hungarian and from English, but he himself he's translated into uh, a lot of foreign languages. Something I forgot to tell also about our the our uh, about our uh, two other guests, Natalia and uh, Vladimir, are also translated into uh, into a lot of uh, foreign languages as poets uh, as poets themselves. Okay, as always, my short introductions are very long. As always, the, my way of uh, uh, of sparing of sparing time is actually a way of uh, losing time. So therefore, I'm going to get silent. I will silent also. I will mute, mute not only my microphone but myself too. And uh, uh, I and uh, I would kindly ask our guests to. Uh, present themselves to introduce themselves in the uh, the way they consider us uh, the the best, and um, maybe before this, kindly ask Rick if he would like to uh, add some uh, welcoming word or maybe to tell us how did he start writing. You're very kind, my brother. Uh, I have been fortunate in my life to be. Uh, uh, the recipient of many, many, many wonderful good words. And I was inspired very young. Uh, my mother used to read uh, her own original verses to me. And uh, it, it helped me understand that words weren't just those lovely wings that we get from books, but they can lift our spirits, they can come from within, that we all have our stories to tell. And that's been kind of a guiding light to me. Uh, my my preliminary writing career was was started with a jolt when in just my youngest years, uh, middle school we call it over here, the, the class was asked to address Native Americans, write something about Native Americans. And I had been enamored of Native Americans and Native American stories and culture for a long, long time. So I wrote a poem that I still have in my heart today. And it, and it made me understand that one could, with the magic of words, inspire, enlighten, and, and, and give that inner journey. Uh, and I, I've been writing ever since. Uh, and then in my teenage years and 20s, uh, the, the wonderful world of competitive poetry, of poetry slams and poetry gatherings really blossomed. And uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it tremendously. And a very special thing happened to me, and it really kind of gave me part of my media career. I had won a, <laughs> a, there's a, there's a portion of Miami, a bohemian part of Miami you may have heard of, Coconut Grove. And in Coconut Grove, where, where all the artists and bohemians gathered uh, away from the glitter and glass and concrete of, of fancy Miami, and I, I won the poetry slam there three months in a row. And a gentleman walked up to me. He said, you know, you're really an extraordinary writer. Um, if I gave you a radio show, what would you do with it? And it didn't take me a second to answer. I said, 
I'd write a science fiction comedy show. <laughs> so I did. It started me in radio, and I wrote a little piece uh, for a year. I had just a marvelous time with it. I, I called it Martian Ambassador and the Captured Chorus, and, and we imagined that we were performing from an orbiting studio, and it just gave us a chance to do all those wonderful social criticisms that science fiction allows. So that was my professional launch out there in the world, and I have... I haven't stopped yet. And uh, today, rather than just criticize media, I create media. I bring some of the finest minds to share and do responsible media. And my brother, Misha, and you lovely poets, I can't wait to hear your words. And, and I'm going to go ahead and start the ball rolling. I'm going to say, Natalie, please, would you start? Thank you very much. I really liked your introduction where you uh, stated this direct relationship between poetry and the recipient, someone who either listens to it or reads it, because no other literary form has that power to inspire, to galvanize people, or to make them process various emotions. And I think this is uh, so important to say say it and maybe recently we see it more than before that we need poetry in our lives because it seems like it's a um, minority genre it's a marginal genre but in fact it's so important we can't live without it so rick shall i read some of my poems would you I, like that i hope you would my dear in fact i i, I literally thought that that was a marvelous idea I look forward with hungry ears. <laughs> I hope I'm not going to disappoint. So I'm going to read five poems um, in English. Quarantine. You walk on cushions of our tears, your pieces of paper, the peels of my shrine, my appeal to you. Another spring, another day, the white blossoms fall from heaven. The children yell with joy. We cry for them, our survivors. Beautiful. So I, Beautiful. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, so, this one is called the, the Upright Piano. The corner box, the witness of our tunes. The dead hums, let it be. The daughter preludes eine kleine Nachtmusik. Little funny sticky fingers bash the highs and the lows. Mum uses her wooden spoon to type her ode to joy, only when nobody listens. At Christmas, its lid becomes stained with milk, wine, cappuccinos, good kidnapses, and cinnamon sticks. With the silent night gone, the piano tuner comes and wipes away its scars. Mum polishes the marbled oak, scanning the middle sea, with the years of her life disappearing. Beautiful. Thank you. So uh, we are moving on to the new year now. This is not the war yet. You gave me a pen to write in the air for the sake of our children who moan on the wall as the winter fails to show. The sun bites of my fingers with its warmest rays. The ground shakes 
My toes don't move. This is not the war yet. Just the new year with the promises that are about to be smothered with our hopes unsought and unthanked. My words hover. Then you ask, why me? And why not me? I only know how not to belong. And the last two poems are going to be tributes to two great poetesses who wrote in Russian. So the first one is called Snow and it's a tribute to uh, Anna Akhmatova. Mm. You lie where the dust glitters with tides and retrievals. Your skin cracks as I turn the page. It smells of rain in the woods. I have my finger on the paper to drop splatter on the broken city. I watch them darken the full stops and blur the words. In them, Anna walks barefoot, her dress like night floating. The cattle are dead, and women plough the battlefield. Where the snow falls, everything is covered. And the last one I'm going to read for you is a tribute to Marina Pitaeva. Um, she spent some time as an emigre in Europe and part of that emigration was also in Prague. In exile, tribute to Marina Pitaeva. Prague graveyard is full of Russian poets. They stare at the branches of oaks and elms Witnesses to our neglect of battered snows, those childless tombs. At midnight, they sit, night, uh, sit down to drink tea and eat varenia. How is it being dead in foreign lands, Moitruk? Stars and suns that would never be their own, the sky of escaped minds. Another planet, perhaps, the world that does not understand you, Marina and the depths of her morning sorrows trapped in the words of the past of her soul. Next stop, Berlin, Paris. The pain never ends. Time to return to the suffering we know so well that you love it. There is no remedy. Marina, Marina, Marina. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. Tell me, please, all those poems were written directly in English, or it does also owe? Uh, uh, they were written in English, and I uh, always take care of creating um, a Czech version. Uh, there are some poems I write in Czech. Um, it depends on the situation. I always connect the language with the context. Uh, it's really strange. I don't know how to explain it, but. Uh, I always hover between those two languages. Um, mm. So I live in both of them and I possess both of them. Well, I think there are three of us here in this situation. That mm -hmm. means you, Andre, and me. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think each of us may, to, may have to say uh, interesting things about it. If Rick agrees, I suggest that 
after each of our guests is going to read uh, some poems of hers of or his in English. At the end, um, each of them would read also in the original language. What do you think, mm. Greek? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Natalia. We will go back and uh, for this part when uh, we will kindly ask you also to read something in Czech and maybe if we have time, if you uh, feel like and if uh, Rick agrees from the point of view of uh, uh, the editing of the material, also answering this question about about the dividing of your destiny between the poetess and the translator. Thank you very much for now. We will uh, we will still uh, we will continue our uh, dialogue after uh, re after the readings of our uh, with the other two our two guests. Okay, that brings us to the end of part one. Uh, Misha, do you want to say anything about uh, the lovely poetry that Natalie brought us? Well, just as we were discussing um, on the record, I think the poetry that has been written here, in this case, Natalie's poetry, talks for itself the best. Uh, but maybe there are some elements which deserve being uh, being mentioned, being stressed. Um, you see, I would I would start with uh, the last poem. Uh, this feeling of uh, immigration, of exile, of not belonging, of not perfectly or totally belonging to any of the places one visits, one remains a couple of months of years at, and then one leaves from again. Uh, I think the talent and the exceptional talent and sensibility of uh, Natalie reflected into uh, identifying herself as she uh, left, as she lived a lot of years outside the Czech Republic too, and uh, knew very well this uh, isolation feeling, this exile feeling. So uh, I guess this poem was quite impressive, not only because of her ability of understanding the destiny of Marina Svetaeva, but also because of being able uh, of connecting those two destinies, the destiny of the character and the destiny of the of the author, uh, somehow identifying herself uh, with uh, with the character. Um, this uh, dimension is very of uh, this dimension of uh, um, of not being able to find one's place in the middle of uh, of the world, in the middle of the universe, is very present uh, in uh, and with very much talent predicated and uh, uh, presented within uh, within her poetry. So uh, we are looking forward to the poetry of our other two uh, other two guests and uh, also to your uh, lovely. Um, moderation and comments. Thank you, brother. Now, here we go, part two. Vladimir, please, if you would like to read uh, what you prepared for today, 
and or to add something to what I mentioned about you, if there was something you would like to precise or to say to say it better to add or ever. Uh, first of all, I would like to express my gratitude uh, for, for being a uh, uh, guest or being uh, a part of this lovely online event uh, uh, and to discuss about uh, the links between writing and translation. Uh, in, I find this question very, very interesting because I, I think that uh, when poets are translating poetry, uh, we cannot avoid to be poets as well, and, and vice versa. Uh, when, we, when we write our own poetry, I, I find this process uh, very similar to the process of translating itself. I think uh, when we translate poetry, for instance, we are not only translating meanings or, or words from one language to another, but we are also uh, always trying to, uh, we have many, many different challenges uh, to translate uh, the sound, the musicality of one language and to transpose it into another, uh, not only rhythmically, but sometimes in a very slight uh, nuance. And also to translate uh, the images, to translate uh, the context, the cultural, uh, um, the cultural uh, differences as well. Uh, and also, I think that while we are writing as well, we are uh, actually always uh, translating. We are always transposing something from our inner state of mind. Or uh, I, I find this very similar because when we are translating, we are also translating the style of one author, of one poet. Uh, the, the whole, um, uh, the whole um, uh, uh, sensibility, we are trying, of course, to, uh, to, to transpose also the sensibility. And uh, uh, for me as a scholar, uh, the translation is one of the most uh, interesting uh, uh, subjects of the literary uh, science and criticism as well. Because uh, one of my uh, field, my, my main field of research actually are the relations between literature and other arts, especially plastic arts, visual arts, but also music as well. And I find this process well, when we when we write about uh, when we pay tribute to some other poets, but also to some other uh, painters, musicians, or some other uh, uh, artists. Uh, we are also transferring, we are also transposing uh, uh, something uh, from their, from their uh, art. And this uh, inter-artistic um, uh, field, which is really a vast field of, of uh, not only of research, but also of a creation, uh, is very, very inspiring for me. And that's why I have chosen a couple of poems uh, somehow uh, uh, related with uh, translation as a, as a subject matter as well. So the first poem was, was written in China. Uh, the title is Poem Written in Water. Near the forbidden city, an old man with a brush wrists verses on the ground. I asked my friend to hurry up and translate it before the poem disappeared into the air. He takes a sip of water and translates it in one breath. Only 
that which you would write in water spared from your lips on a blistering hot day. Only that is worth writing down. All else is better left to evaporate into the air only to return with the next grain. Wow. So that's the first poem, as you can see, uh, part of the poem is actually a translation. Uh, the, the second poem is um, a family portrait. Actually, it's, it's about uh, um, this link between uh, the visual and the verbal, uh, because this poem was inspired by a black and white photograph from the Museum of Photography in Paris. Family portrait. The father is missing. He probably never liked to have his picture taken or maybe he's hiding behind the camera. The mother is also missing. She probably got tired of posing without her husband or maybe she's in the kitchen or in front of a mirror. The children are also missing. The son could be in the army or lives with his in-laws. The daughter could be living somewhere overseas. The grandfather is also missing. He has probably long ago departed from this world. Perhaps that's why the grandmother holds the old family portrait just like mothers hold their baby or kids hold their doll. Okay, now I will uh, switch to the third poem, which is also somehow connected with uh, visual arts. Uh, the title is uh, but also with mythology, as you will see very soon. Uh, still life with two suitcases. Swollen like pumpkins about to burst, the two suitcases stand in the middle of the lobby. No room for so many pieces of clothes, books, or knickknacks. We put them back in the closets on the shelves. All of them, in an instance, are infused with a silent, inexpressible emotion. Perhaps that very sorrow felt by all this for whom there was no room in Noah's big suitcase. So now I will I will uh, end uh, by reading. Uh, uh, by the way, I should say that all those poems were written in uh, in Macedonian. I only write poetry in Macedonian in my native language, but they are they were translated by my uh, friend and uh, colleague uh, a colleague uh, Milan uh, Damianovsky. I would like to express my gratitude, of course, for these uh, translations into English. Uh, and I will. Uh, I, I have also. Uh, I have also picked uh, two poems for, uh, for for the end, written in uh, while I was at the um, uh, international writing program in Iowa uh, three years ago. 
uh, and uh, I, I, while I was there, I, I, I was uh, I wrote actually a collection of of uh, poems uh, titled uh, "Awake and Dream uh, Poems." First, I will read the "Awake" poem number fifteen. He wakes up as an octopus. He wonders what to do with all these arms. One, to catch the harpoons in flight, he says. Another, to, uh, for this car to trash. The third, to rail against all the injustice in the world. The fourth, for endless caresses. The fifth, to show the way to all who are lost. The sixth, to swim. The seventh, to dance. And what about the eighth? Well, to clean the grass of my aquarium. And the dream poem, this is the dream poem number three. Actually, the, oh, the, whole, the whole book is composed by 48 uh, poems. Uh, this is the dream poem uh, uh, number three. A stranger just a moment. A stranger in the streets is handing me uh, cardboard glasses to watch the solar eclipse. I give them back and tell him I can see my hand in front of my face, uh, let alone the moon in front of the sun. Try again, he says. Still nothing. I'm in a rush. Can't you see that today the whole planet is looking at the sky? He hands me the glasses again. But I have so much to do. I should, uh, I shout and run as if chased by a mad dog. I wake up with cardboard glasses on outside the children. Just a moment, I lost the... Yes, outside the children are playing soccer with the moon. I go out to buy bread. The cashier tells me, so what? Every day our obligations are there to eclipse the sun. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, should I read a poem in, in, in Macedonian? Please well do. Please do. Okay, I will I will read uh, a sonnet. Actually, I would. Uh, that's why I I I, uh, I have picked a sonnet to end with uh, because my um, my um, experience with translating different poetic forms uh, have uh, led me to to write those forms as well. Uh, first, I, 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 as uh, as it was mentioned. Uh, I, I, um, I, I have tried to, to translate uh, haikus, and I have, uh, I have um, edited a very big uh, anthology of classical uh, Japanese uh, haiku, and I, I, I started to, to write haikus as well. But uh, while I was trying to, tra to, to, to translate some sonnet, I realized that I would like to, to write sonnet as well. Uh, this sonnet is titled uh, Transformation, and uh, its uh, original title is uh, Preobrazbi. Koga te nema, 
се претворам за час во сончоглед без сонце, во книга без букви, во дом без врати, во дост без капки, во контрабас без жици, во тротинест без предно колце, во часовник без стрелки, во стих без антички стапки. Во шоколадо без какао, во плавен град без кулевар, во жирафа без врат, во оркестар без диригент, во кондор без перија, во улица без тротуар, во скуптура без глава и без постамент. Кога те нема, станувам орев без јатка, пчела без ронка, мед или себичен скакулец без пиолина враг. А кога сум со тебе, сум обичен човек кој знае да крие вешто, дека порано бил се и сешто. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much, Vladimir. Really a complex and complete presentation from artistic and also theoretical uh, point of view. You have already answered also the question concerning the uh, poet and the, the translator. From my part, I would like to add that I had the pleasure to translate three of the poems you read here. I have to admit only one of them directly from Macedonian because I don't understand very well this language only uh, only in the measure which is alike Bulgarian and it is not always uh, very very much alike. The first one with the family portrait was the only one I managed to translate directly from Macedonian because in spite of the very complex metaphors within the language uh, was quite uh, accessible and possible to uh, possible to translate once again thank you very thank much you. thank you for those translations as well i was very happy to read them in in, in bucharest in, and in galat uh, two years ago actually we were also yeah. very happy to have you there as a guest which uh, hope i which i hope it also will happen to uh, also to other guests of ours uh, today um, Natali and Natalia and uh, and uh, Rick uh, somewhere in the future with Andre it is easier because from Brasov to Bucharest it is not so far away so we can meet uh, <coughs> we can meet uh, easier uh, well only when Mr. Covid is going to allow us to uh, to travel a little bit a little bit uh, in uh, in a more uh, more freedom um, so I would like now to invite, uh, to kindly ask Andre to uh, uh, to take the floor, uh, to if he feels like to fulfill, to uh, uh, to complete, to fulfill the presentation I made to him. Maybe to add something, to precise something, or to correct me if I'm not run, if I was run, and to also to uh, to present, to read what he prepared for uh, for uh, for today. Uh, and I have to admit that it is a very subjective note, but um, each time when I meet Andre, even online, I remember that uh, as we were, as I told you, that we have, we had that uh, uh, nice uh, nice uh, show of uh, nice uh, uh, poetry presentation presentation of his poetry in Ostrava. We started this uh, presentation with a kind of uh, how should I put it? with a kind of uh, improvisation because there was there a very lovely young lady um, Aneshka if you remember Andrei um, 
she was maybe 20 or 21 she was uh, she was a production chief as, as they say in uh, uh, in the Czech Republic and uh, she was very nice very kind very generous she was helping with all the possible things but she was respecting the rules and uh, she was very strictly respecting the rules and one of the rules of that theater was that uh, we weren't allowed we were actually banned to go in the room in the theater room with the beers and you know being in the czech republic and not having a, a beer even at the theater it is quite a sin before he go before God himself. And uh, we arranged with Andre this kind of improvisation that uh, we went into the theater as we were the guests with two halves, two pints of beer, uh, which were actually empty. And uh, we sit down, we sat down, and before starting the presentation, people were waiting for us to say something in Czech or to translate something, and we were just clinking those empty pins. Mm, listen, man, good beer. They have Czechs here. Ah, yes, ah, man, ah. really great beer. What yours is Pilsner? Yes, Pilsner too. But actually, I repeat, the pins were completely empty. So ah, we are we are ah, doing ah. like drinking because it was we were banned to have beer in in the theater. But in the same time, we it was a kind of charge. To that, to that little young, uh, to that uh, young and uh, beautiful girl, which uh, bec which actually flushed all all by once. Where actually I asked uh, Andre, for instance, hey, and who banned actually you to have a beer here in the theater? And he says, and who banned you? And I looked at her and directly into her eyes, and I said, I don't know. Do you? Neither do I. <laughs> it was so each time when I meet Andre, I can't, I cannot not remember this uh, little theater we made, and uh, we promised ourselves that when next time when we'll be in Ostrava, we will invite that beautiful girl to a real beer outside the theater in order to respect the rules. So, Andre, please, the floor is yours. Please introduce yourself, present your creation. There is so much to say. Welcome. Okay. Well, I don't know what to add. Uh, the presentation was uh, very good and uh, lengthy. I don't know. Maybe I will say that I published four uh, books of poetry, four collections, and a novel. And I am working on my second novel now. Um, okay. I want to say something about what the famous Romanian poet said about poetry. He said a few years ago that poets are antibodies of the society. And this goes very well in these COVID times. Uh, but I would like to overturn this metaphor, saying that poets are actually the most septic medium, real pest holes, who are here to infect you, uh, and they fight against the immune systems of the society. Actually, poetry is not your friend. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really like to speak too much about myself. So I will read a few poems now in translation. They were translated by Andrew K. Davidson and Anastasia Gavrilovich. Uh, they are from my uh, fourth uh, collection, 
called The Real Golden Boy. So let's, let's begin. Inspire, expire, exist. The acoustics is in the dumps. The soldering doesn't fold. The sensors medicate the unnecessary, as much as unnecessary. And the aesthetics is on restart. I inspire, expire, exist. My brain made in Italy is golden and glinting. I can't talk about money. I can't shut up about it. And my thoughts circle back like the broken chorus of a roundelay. The bull bullhorns are infected by government admin ladies. Someone stole a length of fence. The irritable people on the streets, the cloak and clasp novels. I inspire, expire, persist. And so does my sturdy body made in Hungary. I have bull blood, the nurse said so, or I wish she'd said. I can help you in a physical way. I don't have deep thoughts. I don't have lasers on my brain or gadgets. I noticed the gypsy's skin and clothes adorning a little lavender scent today, sweet, sweet corn tomorrow, true moral and penny bun. The government admin ladies shut up, bullhorns senselessly amplified the screeching. Why does the cricket song stop for the sound of train wheels in the field? And if the gypsies adorn natural extracts, when will art envelop me like a chroma key overcoat to get me out? And if it doesn't get me out, my body is sturdy and takes me away. It helps, it helps me out of failure. Okay, the second one, sausages. These old guys started to resemble Yoda discussing the force. Two sausages on a little tray and a lot of mustard. They walked through the streets in their robes, collecting the remains of a world that flourishes in confusion and gut reactions. Industries exiles to the toolbox. They give you vacation at the beach or in the mountains, old fellow. It was heaven. The wives direct begonias and geraniums in slow war on the balcony. Post-December is great. The houses in that area are hard to define. A building could be a school, hall, palace, anything. There's no vegetation whatsoever to leave room from habitation to go through its relentless transformations. What doesn't concern me doesn't kill me. The music of my soul vibrates beautifully in the air, in the wind, and in the marrow. None of this belongs to me. It's only the apparent consistency of living matter. It's not a given that the air passing through the organ's thin pipes will also pass through the accordion's bellows. The air is so sweet, I might not let it out. That's as easy as it can be. There's suspicion about the water here and domestic sewage. Everything is suspect. There's suspicion about the walls and non-existent cracks. I live on the edge, no, mo no matter how narrow it can be. The summers were badass. The outlines of our bodies could have been traced in the grass. The hands too lazy to stop the music in headphones. While the golden hour poured out its light and the city projected dioxide bubbles on the sky, I was swimming home in beer. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the indifference, the fact dragging around unfortunate events, casual, casualty, and all the unmarked, uncovered manholes. Don't wish for casualty anything you wouldn't wish for yourself. Don't curse fate. Not even the artistic fate is privileged. It's cathartic content condemned to repetition because art is an endeavor less courageous than life. Maybe the good side of my soul is locked up in a charitable work no one needs. It pulls the assembly's greatness, gets lost in television babble, in radio interference, in entertainment programming, false accusations among dedications. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Andrei. Could I kindly ask you whether those poems were written initially in Romanian or in Hungarian? In Romanian. In Romanian. Yes, I, I stopped writing in Hungarian uh, after around when I was around 22 years because 22 years old because uh, as I said that in the beginning I don't know if that was recorded or not but I will repeat now myself. Uh, there was no uh, literary meetings uh, in my native language in, in Brussels, and that's why I chose to write in Romanian, because uh, there are more people who, who write in Romanian in Brussels, and there are literary circles, and uh, the master's class that I, I spoke about is in Romanian, so I, uh, for me, it was quite easy to, to quit writing in Hungarian because I'm uh, very familiar with Romanian language. I, even if, if I didn't went to a Romanian school, only uh, the college uh, was in Romania. Uh, for me it was no problem because at home uh, my mother and my father had uh, many books and uh, I can say that uh, uh, half of them were in Romanian and half of them in Hungarian. So I I read both in both languages, so I was pretty mm. familiar with And I had Romanian friends also and Hungarian friends, so it, it, ne it was never a problem for me to switch between mm. languages. It is very interesting uh, also as uh, actually um, your destiny handled between those two literatures, those two cultures, and us until the end because of uh, social reasons, because of uh, reasons concerning mainly the objective reality around you, uh, you choose finally writing until the end in, uh, in, uh, in Romanian. Uh, but tell me, is, I mean, in your own brain, in your own soul, do you feel the poetry first in Hungarian and then translating it into Romanian or directly in Romanian? Well, mostly in Romanian, but it happens sometimes to to start a poem in Hungarian or, or to think about it in Hungarian and the first words to pop up in my brain in Hungarian, but uh, mostly in Romanian. But uh, what happens uh, many times is, is that even if if I write in Romanian, uh, in the night time when I when I dream, I dream in Hungarian mostly. So mm. it's kind of weird. <laughs> That means that a Hungarian poetry collection is still waiting for you, yeah, because right. <laughs> a, poet, a poet is inspired but by what he or she is dreaming. 
So if you dream in Hungarian, then that means that that Hungarian written collection is still waiting for you in the in the future. And I would like to add for our guests and uh, also uh, actually, actually Rick knows it very well, and uh, also for our listeners that actually Andre's presence in today's uh, broadcasting is actually a continuation of our episode two weeks ago, which was dedicated to the Hungarian uh, poetry in uh, central uh, in Central Europe, and uh, as because of the technical reasons you met all of you uh, today, um, Andre uh, couldn't participate, um, but he, he was programmed to be a part of that uh, of that episode, and mm -hmm. there were there uh, among the Hungarian poets invited. Uh, there were there actually three of them, Andrei, uh, Anna Terek, and uh, Otilo Bolos, who also fell ill, which actually represented bridges between uh, Central European cultures, that means Andrei between the Romanian and Hungarian one, um, Otilo between the Slovak and the Hungarian one, and Anna Terek, which was, who is born in uh, Vojvodina in Serbia, at the time Yugoslavia between the Serbian and the uh, Hungarian one as uh, actually this cent Central Europe is actually a very uh, various region, a very mm. complex region from cultural point of view, but in the same time there are a lot of things which unite us and which we have, uh, which we have uh, uh, in common. And in this context I would like to uh, address to address the same question to uh, Natalia, uh, which uh, met this destiny of a two-national, uh, but from completely different reasons, because of immigrating, she is writing in English and in Czech. What mm -hmm. does occur you first, uh, English or Czech? Are you writing, are you dreaming in English or in Czech? Uh, that's an interesting question. So, uh, in terms of writing, it depends on the context. So, I can produce an article or a piece of writing in either languages pretty competently. But um, in terms of dreams, I think almost exclusively they are in English. And that's interesting because it's my adopted language. I started learning English when I was 16, so I wasn't even a child, right? Because uh, we had Russian at school, so our mm. Russian teacher was told to teach us English, and she she was like two lessons ahead. So as uh, really, you know, yeah, a philologist, what's the matter with you? You can teach English. And she said, No, I can't. I can't speak the language. So it was quite a funny time, and I don't know Call why. It may be because my family is English speaking, my husband is English speaking, so lots of the things mm. I think about are always in English. Uh, hence, I dream in English, you know. Um, and Mircea, may I respond to some of the things Vladimir said? Because he got me thinking when he spoke about mm -hmm. translations and the visual prompts we have for our writing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a launch pad. And, uh, you know, I remember how many times I, I've got inspired in my writing by seeing uh, an image mm -hmm. or a piece mm -hmm. of music. and. Mm -hmm that um, dialogue between various forms of art is so important, mm -hmm. as well the dialogue across borders. 
And the other thing Vladimir mentioned was that we never cease to be poets even when we translate. And mm. that's so true. And especially it's true about poetry because, of course, Vladimir Nabokov famously insisted they have got to translate word for word. Otherwise, mm. it's a sin, you know, and you, uh, you commit a cardinal sin. Uh, however, uh, I believe it, that's not true because if you translate both for word, then you have to have many notes, footnotes and explanations. Uh, it, especially in poetry, it's a form of in, in interpretation. And you mm. have got to uh, think, how would that author write if he was, let's say, Macedonian or Czech? Yeah. Or, you know, what would they do? And it's very difficult, but you have to make that leap because you you communicate between two different types of languages. So yeah. it's impossible to be literate. That's that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to kind of react to what Vladimir said because that, that I agreed with him, you know, in other words. <laughs> and I agree with you. <laughs> yes. You know, in this concern, I, I wanted to mention a very short example uh, which actually confirms perfectly what you mentioned about and uh, in the same time it indirectly confirms the example Andrei gave with dreaming in Hungarian. I have a very good friend, uh, an excellent Czech poet, Tomáš Mika, uh, <laughs> Natalia knows him for sure. I even translated for him an uh, authorial anthology into Romanian. He has a very a self-critical, nationally self-critical poem to the address of the Czech nation called We Czechs. I think never one of, uh, an enemy of the Czech nation couldn't, write, couldn't be more critical to the Czech, towards Czechs that was Tomasz Mika, a Czech, in that very poem. Um, it, was quite, it, was a, it was a matter of challenge for me to translate it into Romanian, but well, I have to admit that uh, uh, the notes, the underground notes, were longer than the poem himself itself, because there were a lot of uh, historical and social and political references the Romanian uh, reader couldn't eventually mm-hmm. know about it. But well, until the end, I managed to translate it. But a common friend from Serbia tried to translate the same poem into Serbian, mm-hmm. and until the end, instead of we checks it went something like we Serbs, because instead of writing, instead of translating something self-critical about Czechs written by a Czech, he ended by writing as a Serb something self-critical mm-hmm. about Serbs. And mm-hmm. so therefore, yeah. it, is, uh, it is, I think, a very peculiar example of what Vladimir mentioned, that when writing, when translating, we still remain poets. Mm-hmm. That instead of translating a poem by Tomasz Mika, he actually was inspired to a poem, uh, to a similar poem in Serb about mm-hmm. uh, uh, about uh, about Serbs. Mm-hmm. And well, it's a question of what you are trying to achieve, and are you trying to deliver a similar experience to the reader in that language that mm-hmm. the reader mm-hmm. of the original language would have? And that's the answer for me. You know, that's what I always try to achieve. Mm. That's right, and the poet as the poem has this complexity, uh, contains this, 
has this very complex content in a relatively small um, uh, small uh, small volume um, and this made it I think even more uh, difficult to uh, even more difficult to um, to translate mm -hmm. um, Andre you are translating also from English if I'm not wrong right yeah. uh, into Romania or into Hungarian into Romania into in yeah. um, so actually, I guess uh, translating from English is uh, something we all have in common uh, here. Um, uh, and uh, I wanted to, if uh, Rick allows me, uh, one more really short uh, question. Could can I, sir? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. If it if it is too long, you can you can arrange it at the while editing. Um, I wanted to ask whether, do you think as English being an apparently simple, easy language, as it doesn't, I mean, all the persons at, at verbs, at the verbs, they are identical. Uh, the past tenses are very much alike to each other. I mean, you don't have all of those flexion forms as in Slavic or Latin languages. Do you think it is possible to transpose, to transmit the whole complexity of feelings and of metaphors of a poetry written in Czech, in Hungarian or Romanian, or in Macedonian, into English? <laughs> uh, we can try, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's an interesting question, but you said it's, it's, it's an easy language. I would disagree. I think English is deceptively easy. Right, there are many people who who can learn some very elementary communication in English very easily, and so that's the strength of that language. But if you want to get to the next level and you really look at literary works, they are very complex. So it, it's it's always about that interpretation and communication between different types of languages and how do you deal, let's say, uh, if, I, if I'm not wrong, in Macedonian you have movable stress. In mm -hmm. Czech you always stress the first syllable, you know, yeah. and in English uh, the stresses are in different, uh, different parts of the word, mm. uh, plus you can change the meaning of various words depending on where you stress them. How do you deal with it between those two languages so it's not just mm. about grammar structure it's about all yeah. these things rhythm you know how do you deal with alliteration mm. and not oh. mention all these other complex issues like cultural references yeah so so uh you know um, and i'll give some space to the others to respond to this because that's such a complex issue that I don't what even know. What about Andrei? Yeah. Um, uh, of course, um, you mentioned that you translate direct, uh, into Romanian and it is true that Romanian has only five cases <coughs> with uh, three terminations, three endings. Well, that's the end of part two. We had a, a little glitch in the audio, so we had to part it right there, and we'll come back for part three in just a minute. Uh, Misha, do you want to make any comments about what we just heard? Uh, 
amazing discussion. You you raised some wonderful points about the nuance of translation. Uh, obviously, all our all our poets found that an interesting idea. Well, actually, you've just mentioned now that the discussion, the theoretical part of the discussion of the debate about translating and writing poetry in the same time and about feeling this dualism within yourself as a poet and as a translator, something that more or less each of our guests uh, stressed and, uh, and analyzed from her or his uh, point of view uh, made actually uh, the very essence and uh, the most complex content of uh, the theoretical part of uh, uh, of this uh, of this debate, and um, uh, remembering actually that example of uh, the Czech poet Tomasz Mika and uh, the attempt of his friend to translate uh, we Czechs that uh, poem into Serbian. Actually, uh, I think it was well, it was an example, uh, maybe the ideal example that Destiny offered, served us, served to us, if you want, um, for proving that actually translation is also a creative act and uh, an inspirational one, and that while translating, uh, a poet could be inspired into creating better than he or she uh, was doing it now, or someone who was only a translator, or only someone which understood, just understood that language, without dreaming of becoming a translator, could eventually, after reading something in a, uh, in a different language, something that would influence very much and very strongly on him or her, uh, so someone alike, if you want, could become a translator or eventually a poet. In short, translation has contents this magic of um, of uh, stimulating, of catalyzing, if you want, poetry, of making it better, or eventually of creating it in spaces, in moments, at people at which uh, it did not exist. It has it has not been existing until. Um, until now, until that moment, I mean. Well, you know, as a, not as a translator, but I speak as a poet, since, since poets are so given to using language so carefully that I would think that the only one who should translate uh, poetry from one language to another would be another poet. Who else would have the sympathy with the metaphors, with the delicate use of language, not even to get to mechanical things like alliteration or rhyme, but just to convey that subtle, subtle meaning. Uh, I, have, I have such tremendous respect for you who undertake such delicate work. You know, communications is hard enough. Communicating the subtle petals of poetry, that, uh, that's monumental, that's amazing. Uh, thank you very much. It's a very kind observation from your part, but in the same time, um, there is there the risk of poeticizing too much, if you want. Sure. I mean, yeah, I guess the translator should keep, uh, in a certain measure, 
his uh, mind, uh, a cold mind, an objective one. And uh, of course, if translation inspires, this is a great thing. But in the same time, a certain distance, a certain objective distance towards it in order to end it, in order to finish it, in order to make a quality translation. Because it may be amazing that from we checks, a Serbian poet translated with quotes, of course, something like we Serbs. It is a new poem. I'm sure it is a great one, an amazing one. But it is not a translation. So right. therefore, poets should translate poetry, but in the same time, they should be translation professional, professionals, translating professionals, in order to keep their objectivity and the, to keep their minds uh, chill and to be able to express the text in the uh, second language. Uh, in the Cybel language uh, in a manner as uh, close as possible towards the original. Absolutely. Uh, wow. It's, uh, it's so interesting to hear language and poetry both discussed in such a nuanced way. Uh, again, I, 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 I just have to say that I'm so impressed that someone would I would say both dare to translate another poet, but also clearly, you know, have thought through so many different ramifications. Uh, it, it's amazing stuff. Shall we go back to the final portion of this uh, this amazing project with Natalie and uh, and uh, Andre and Vladimir, and of course my good brother, Misha. Here we go, part three. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a moment to say, uh, Natalie, would you get a chance, would you sell, tell us uh, uh, some of your poems in uh, the native language? Your would choice. you like me to read those that I read in English or some other poem? My dear, your choice. My choice, right. All right. Okay, I will read you one poem in Czech, uh, which I read... Uh, I wrote uh, when I returned after many years in in self-imposed exile, right? And it's called Prochaska Praho, which translates as uh, mm. walking through Prague. Prochaska mm. Praho. Blesk se smíkl do okapové roury. Pravěké povětří snáší vzduch cirka z roku 1985. Chci zpátky do budoucnosti. Chlap odchodu Národnímu muzeu si šlehá a pak čůrá na schody. Děti, hele, tamhle ten houb v koši na odpadky hledá koláče. Zachraňte děti, ochraňte děti. Páni, to já ne, to ta ošklivá unie Evropy po nás chce, aby jsme nepoužívali plastové tašky. Zákaznice stanečních pro pokročilé si na adresu Bruselu odplivne a odkáší skránku na buděhárně s černou kabelkou. Žena v Alze si stěžuje, jak je draze, že za komunistů bylo líp, protože nebyly mobily a kompiutry, po páteře mi sjede s tím Brexitu. Otcové s hákovými kříži vytetovanými na těle, lásky plně učí své blonděté dcery plavat 
Ale ne, my nejsme rasistí, my jenom nemáme rádi Židy a Ukrajince a Poláky a Rusáky a Cigoše a Rákosníky a Muslimy jakékoliv národnosti. Netolerance k homosexuálům v naší zemi neexistuje. Ti spolu můžou beztrestně spát. Hlavně, aby nás neohrožovaly sňatky. Šalminismus neexistuje, ale ta kráva, co je slovenskou prezidentkou, a ta další kráva, co je kancelářkou Německa, a ta jiná kráva, která byla britskou premiérkou. A ta obrkráva, co si myslela, že prezidentkou k Ameriky, asi ty krávy nemají dost sexu. Podívej, jak ta kráva vypadá. Není divu, že má ambice. Tím vzhledem, ale já bych věděl, jaký ty kraviny vehnat z hlavy. Krávě je jedný, i když bych jí možná musela přikrýt ksich novinama. Zástupy žen dechtivě přikivují, vždyť to tak je u tolerantních a chápavých lidí. Jsme tolerantní, chápavý a nerasistický národ se zdravým sexem a tu zdobí nápis cizincům stůl zakázán. Je, to je legrace, ty hlubko bezmyslu pro humor. Ty blbá náno, přijedeš zvenku a myslíš si, že všechno lítíš. Kdyby jsi zůstala, tak budeš úplně stejně úžasná, tolerantní, nerasistická a vtipná jako my. Můj cizí manžel přijel ty, ale už nic to není. Tramvaj vyštěkne, jsme se udržím dvě děti, není si kam sednout. Z křehké dívky se stala nosička a zpěračka 50 kil. Na zpěračku mám skvělou ostavu. Teda vlech neviditelná krása odvětá naše divějcí skrání, tedy nás probělými nocemi, které jsem proplakala, protože selhávám jako matka. Souzená a odsuzená za nedostatečnou veškerého mateřství, nepatřící nikam. Vidím jak živa a všude. I'm not sure maybe that's too long. <laughs> sorry. That's marvelous, marvelous. So, sorry. So, but it, it was written directly in Czech, uh, mm. so mo- a lot of time I write in English, this was written directly in Czech mm. as my reflection after returning after nearly 20 years of living abroad. Well, thank you so very much. Misha, I went on and asked her to go ahead and read one in uh, in Czech, and uh, if you want to finish your, sto- your question and, and elicit your answers, certainly go ahead. Like very much before saying before ending for today, I would kindly ask Andre to also read something in the original language. So let us not forget to uh, to kindly ask him to do uh, to do so. Uh, in which order would you like us to do to do so uh, to do this, uh, um, um, Rick? Continuing with Andre, or uh, we can we do Andre and then we can finish up with something from Vladimir. Absolutely. Okay, so um, so should we now follow Andre or me? How 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 would you? Andre, go ahead. Okay, so uh, should I read something in Romanian? Well, please read something in okay. the language you write to wrote those poems. A short one. Mutsunate. I don't know how you translate it in English. It's something like little teddy bears. <laughs> e fain când se duce în vizită la o prietenă și copilul dă iama răpind în jucăriile ei de pluș. Iar când se plicti, le aruncă din pas, unde prietena doarme cu ele. Pot spune că Beizadeaua a fost arma cu care ai cucerit demonii sexualității ei alintate. 
sau dacă nu pe ei, atunci infuzia de puerii prezentă încă în erotismul unei fețe de 23. Sau pot spune la fel de bine că dacă îți trece așa ceva prin cap, ești un părinte pervers. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very interesting today that all our guests read in their respective um, original languages um, poems that have not been read in English. So actually, this makes this creates a special atmosphere for this uh, for this episode. And uh, for the future, sometime I don't know under which circumstances, but I would be very curious to hear all those three poems, your sonnet, your um, your constatation about the uh, atmosphere in Prague after mm -hmm. 20 years you spent in the Great Britain, mm -hmm. and this uh, charming uh, poem of the Mutsunake of yours uh, translated <laughs> into English, uh, and how would they uh, how would they sound? Um. Actually, I can I can read the, the the sonnet in English as well if you like. You have the English translation. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, transformations. When you are gone, I suddenly turn into a sunflower without the sun, in a book without letters, home without doors, rain without drops, a double bass with no strings, a tricycle with no without the front wheel, a clock without hands, a verse without an ancient metric foot, into chocolate without a cocoa, a city with no boulevard, a giraffe with, without a neck, an orchestra with no conductor, a condor without feathers, a suite without a footway, into a sculpture with neither a hat nor a pedestal. When you are gone, I'm a nut without the kernel, a bee without a drop of honey, or a selfish little cricket that misplays its violin. And when I'm with you, I'm merely a man who conceals so readily all the things he used to be. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. I must no. ask Misha, excuse me, sir. Would you read one of yours, English or the written language? Either way. Do you have okay, one sir. handy? Thank you very much. Um, well, I have to admit, it was um, this poem was somehow ordered uh, by the <laughs> thematic of an anthology, uh, an anthology uh, which was dedicated to the third sex. No male, no female. It was actually my question whether translating into English was possible or not was more or less connected to this because in Czech there is the to, which is neutral language. Ta is female, ten is male, to is neutral. In English it is the it, of course, but it is quite a It is quite a fragile balance. Vector addition. I am the one that is only equal to itself, but different from its own identity. I am the one breaking the balance of the landscape seen with both eyes. I am the one adding an N and A before the word symmetrical. 
I am the one because of which one can't say one's prayer until the end, for I'm neither the Father nor the Son, and I'm not allowed to pretend I'd represent something holy, let it be a spirit or a ghost. I am the one nobody wants to have children with, even if I were able to give birth to children. I am fat when anyone else is white. I am black when anyone else is clever. I am stupid when anyone else is brutal. I am oversensitive when anyone else is slim or by reverse. I was not born a woman, even if everyone else is able to become one or by reverse. I am the different one, different from you, different from her, different from him. I am the unlikely one. I am the third one. So don't tell me I'm beautiful, for you know I'm not, and I know I am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I'm curious whether our guests the other ones, I mean Natalia and Andrei, have their English translations of what they read in the original language? Who uh, don't? Not of this one. Not of this one. I just didn't, I don't know why, I didn't feel like translating this one just because it was so personal. I have a direct response to that return home, like uh, almost the return of prodigal son, you know, in this case, daughter. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know whether I want to, but maybe I, sh I should. Maybe if, if people are interested, I can. Uh, it is quite a challenge. It, it is, is quite a... Yeah. And also from the point of view of the content. And in your case, Andre, it is quite a challenge, at least from the point of view of the title. I'm curious about the Mutsunake in English. What about kindly asking Rick to read something of his? Well, you're very generous, my brother. You're very generous indeed. Well, I, I did bring one, uh, have it handy. Uh, it's a little, uh, it's a, one of my COVID poems. And uh, I, I hope that uh, it is uh, half as eloquent as the lovely work that I've heard today. So this is a piece I called Down from the Trees. Uh, it's kind of a reflection on our our forced COVID separateness. And so many of us miss those moments with friends. So it's called Down from the Trees. Honey baby, tell me please, since we're not so far down from the trees, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, up in the branches or down on polished floors. We like reciprocal, you and me, ever since we balanced on the limbs of trees, whether out in the car or up in the tree, I'll groom you and you'll groom me. The only thing now that's left for us as the virus sets a fence between what we really feel and what we really mean, with you so far away on the other side of the glowing screen another day, we wave weakly how I miss your sweet perfume and the many, many ways you decorate a room. 
the distance mars our loves sealed up behind the screen's glass wall untouched oh honey baby tell me please since we're really not that long down from the trees i wish you were here to find and pluck off all my fleas we're isolated out of touch and miles away my fingers clutch in disarray my clothes askew oh what i wouldn't give for you to have you seat beside me here with your fingers searching my matted hair even to have you look with scorn at the clothes piled around the room i've worn i'd even eat the toast you'd burn if i could beside you touch you and warmly turn thank you very much um well <laughs> i was trying to I intended to prepare some little surprise for Rick, as uh, I haven't read anything in another, in a different language but English today. I wanted to read the Romanian translation of his very poem he wrote, he, uh, he read here, but I just, I have a very bad connection and I just can't open that, that, that document I have, um, I have here, so I, I remain, um, I remain, uh, I, I, I owe this to Rick. I have this <laughs> translation, but I would like very much some, during some episode also, to read, um, to read the translation of this poem into, uh, into Romanian. So, um, I think it was, this was quite all for today. If I would like to thank all our guests, Natalia, Vladimir, and Andrei for being here, for all those wonderful poems they read, for all those very interesting uh, things about being a poet and being a translator and pendling between two languages or even more languages and civilizations uh, as we have this situation. Uh, some of us I would like to very much uh, and uh, warmly uh, thank Rick for uh, coordinating also this episode and all this series for his love for Central Europe and for the poetry all in all and uh, uh, particularly for the Central European poetry. And I would like to wish you a lot of success uh, of success in everything you are doing. And I hope you will still meet in this confirmation in this uh, constellation and at least for listening in English, the poems uh, so, many, so beautifully read here by Natalia and Andrei, and uh, the one by Rick in Romanian, as Vladimir was the one which made his homework completely and had everything translated into all the languages. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good luck and, uh, and uh, in everything you're doing. All Thank the best. you all. Thank you all Thank very, you. very much. Thank you. And I hope to see you all again. Thank you, Misha, for this a marvelous adventure together. It was delightful. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Misha, you want to share any final thoughts, sir? Well, I think I still owe you that Romanian version of <laughs> Down from the Peace. What do you think? 
Well, if you have it handy, read on, brother. Okay. I hope our listeners are not going to get too bored. But as you read this poem five minutes ago, so I guess they still have it fresh in their minds. So I will at least for hearing how does it sound in Romanian. And because I haven't made, made, made prepared my homeworks as uh, um, as great, as perfectly as uh, Vladimir did, at least I try to recuperate now. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, dear Rick, dear and esteemed poet, down from the trees in Romanian, De când am coborât din copaci, un poem COVID. Spune-mi, iubito, vorbește, ce faci? Auzi, dacă doar de curând am coborât din copaci, mai putea scălpina pe spate și eu pe tine. Iar asta se poate acolo jos printre ramuri sau jos pe pavajul de marmură, bine lustruit. Și ție și mie ne place reciprocitatea și atât încă de când ne legănam pe ramurile copacilor din care am coborât, fie în mașină, fie în copac unde o fi, eu te voi îngriji și tu mă vei îngriji. Deci doar atât ne-a rămas acum, când virusul un zid a ridicat, între ce simțim cu adevărat că va fi și ce spunem cu adevărat, cu tine atât de departe, de cealaltă parte a ecranului strălucitor, încă o zi. Fluturăm slab din mâini, la fel ca parfumul tău dulce îmi lipsești și ca toate felurile în care te pricepi, o cameră să împodobești. Distanța ne erodează iubirile sigilate în spatele ecranelor, pereții de sticlă. Ne atingi vreodată, spune-mi iubito, vorbește, ce faci? Auzi, dacă doar de curând am coborât din copaci, mi-aș dori să fii aici, să-mi găsești și să-mi smulgi toți puricii ăia mici. Suntem izolați, suntem izolați, nu putem lua contact. Ești la atâția kilometri de mine, degetele mi se strâng în pumnul compact, mototolite, hainele cap de la sine. Ce n-aș da prezența ta să stai pe scaun aici lângă mine, aici, să-mi cauți prin, căr, prin părul încălcit cu degetele tale mici? Chiar dacă privirea ți-ar fi încărcată de o cară pentru hainele purtate pe care le-am aruncat prin cameră, așa într-o doară, aș mânca până și toastul pe care îl faci scrum, dacă ai putea fi lângă mine și te-aș putea atinge cu toată căldura și întoarce către mine. Ladies and gentlemen, it was in Romanian, down from the trees. And Thank you so time. very much. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much, my brother. Very, very kind of you. My pleasure. I, I, Anytime. <laughs> well, you have a good evening, my brother, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? I think I have to admit, Rick, that after such an interesting, and I guess it was really an interesting episode, I guess the ideal end of it It was this mysteriously sounding poem that actually everybody heard also in English, so they know what's all about, okay? But, I mean, when and after talking so much and so in detail 
about translations, what kind of more ideal, what a better of a better way of ending such an episode about translation and translations, poetry translations, but with a translation. Absolutely perfect. Thank you, my friend. You have a good night. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric, and uh, thank you also our uh, our listeners for uh, being true to this program, for uh, for paying attention to the Central European poetry, for the to the poets of the East, which are actually not only from the East, not only from the from Central Europe, and uh, for loving poet so much poetry because. If we, the ones creating poetry, weren't encouraged by the ones who listen poetry, who receive poetry, by the receivers, receptors of poetry, of course, writing poetry only pour l'amour de l'art, only because of loving it, it is great. But reactions are the ones who really matter, and uh, the listeners, our, uh, our uh, receivers are the ones which uh, stimulate us to continue in uh, this uh, activity. Okay, we'll talk to you next week then. Bye-bye. All the best. Bye-bye. When a robe is in fail, she will show you the world if you step up and tell her where for a dime you can see Kankakee or Paris or Washington Crossing everybody who's listened, everybody who's helped, and my brother Misha, great thanks. Bye-bye. All the best. Thank you very much.